Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. Welcome to Surely You're Joking. I'm your, <laughs> I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson. Uh, this week's episode is going to be very exciting because a huge announcement was just made. We tried to get this episode recorded before the announcement um, because uh, the, it was kind of leaked a little bit. But um, uh, we're, today we, we got around to it. Uh, we weren't able to have Jimmy here or Owen here. Can you understand quantum physics? Can't you just make a time machine and we can go back and do this episode two days ago? No, we yeah. no we can't do that. Oh. Uh, but today we have a very special guest. Uh, she is a scientist here at Caltech, an astronomer. She specializes in low mass stars, which will be very relevant to the discovery that we hear. Um, she is a postdoc uh, postdoctoral scholar at Caltech, just like me. Uh, please welcome Dr. Courtney Dressing. Hello, <laughs> welcome to the show, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor Courtney. It's great to be here. <laughs> I really wish your middle name was Salad. I really do. And you you've never heard that joke. You've never heard that joke. Never. And uh, that's the first time you've heard that. Okay, actually, I was spared the salad jokes. My dad got salad. My brother got ranch. And people just didn't make fun of my last name. It was very weird. It was a missed opportunity. I like how Griff's like, um, just totally thrown we by the discovery. We don't care about planets. Who like, cares hey, about yeah. discovery of planets? We're going to talk about salad dressing. That's a funny name. That's I'm a fun name. Hey, discovery? What? Uh, my last name is Pippin. And every day I still get people, oh, you related to Scotty Pippin? And I'm just like, what do you want? How do I react to that? Like, still I still the name. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to behind your back has said you made that name up. I am 100% certain. I think you just don't want us to look up uh, your family or something. No, it's know. a le- It's my real legal I That's have a five-minute joke on stage. About, my, my name is Griff Pippen. <laughs> also called How? the time limit of your set. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> so how many times guy. have you read The Lord of the Rings? Uh, yeah, really. I do. Name. I sound like a, a hobbit, like, married someone in Harry Potter or something. Like, I have a five-minute bit about my name. It's just... Because it's. I have to address it. No, I, I was being too generous. Griff, you shouldn't run the light. Oh, look at God. Look yes. at what you're wearing. Anyway, <laughs> you're a monster. We there's should go a, on there's a battle. Why a, don't you want to go in roast battle? Because I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be mean and go down there. There's a thing called a roast battle, right? <laughs> what if mean? Here's a, hold on, when we're hold talking. on, hold on. We can do it with buddies, but uh, like just you and I hanging out. There's a thing called a roast battle. It's really cool. It's a it's show like started Central. a while okay. ago, and basically you get on stage with another comedian, and you get like. Three anywhere, three to six joke. You you'll roast them basically, nice. and I'm like, but it's just too personal and mean. I I could I could get really mean, and I don't want to. I don't want to be that mean guy. <laughs> I'll, I, I have fun making fun of him like this, but don't worry, just, we'll get to the planet. just in person when nobody can sympathize with my hurt feelings. That's the oh. whole point. I don't want to get in front of a room feelings. full of eighty people and just shoot down my friend. I don't like well, that. I have idea. like the most unhealthily large ego that. It, not, yeah, I can't. Well, I feel feelings. like at a high level of science, uh, uh, from dealing no, with I'm, some I'm of your pretty co- ridiculous. From dealing with some of the colleagues in the science community that we have, I'd never dealt with the high level scientists, and a lot of them have egos. I can tell, and a very high level of confidence. But you have to. 
If you're going to do great things, you have to have a high level confidence. Speaking of high level confidence and egos, how about for a minute we stop talking about ourselves and actually talk about the discovery? Can you tell us about it? Well, it did take a lot of confidence to publish this paper. It took 16 years worth of data to confirm that this planet exists. And that's because they did not want to be wrong. 16 years? Can you just give us a summary? I need need more confidence. Can you give us a summary of what the discovery is? Sure. The discovery is the finding that there is now a planet, or has been for a long time, but now we know that there is a planet that's at least 1.3 times the mass of the Earth orbiting the closest star to the sun. Which is Proxima Centauri. Yes. It's a tiny little red dwarf. It's about 10% the size of the sun. It's actually 14% of the sun's radius, 12% of the sun's mass, about half the sun's temperature. It's a tiny little red dot in the sky. Mm -hmm. But you can't see it from the northern sky, so don't try. It's near the the Southern Cross, right? Yes. Yeah, Alpha Centauri you can see near the Southern Cross. Um, and maybe that makes it on New Zealand's flag. I don't know. In the in the Olympics, I impressed my mother-in-law because she was seeing like all the various Southern Hemisphere flags. There's right. New Zealand, New Zealand and Australia. Australia the, same. the difference is the stars are red on New Zealand. I okay. thought they picked a slightly different constellation. Like they both have the Southern Cross, but another one has like an another one. Because uh-huh. Alpha Centauri right. is not part of the Southern Cross, but it's near it's it in the sky and it's very bright. And I thought one of them, they like have the cross and then it's just sort of off to the side. For all our listeners huh. in New Zealand, we apologize if we've gotten this incorrect right and they also just voted on new flags so maybe it's totally different now oh, i'm not God. sure they don't it's care got they're, rugby on it they're probably maybe. going hey get, get all this in he's, he's talking about new yes. zealand they're talking <laughs> about new zealand on a new flag we have um we just have a bunch of rugby players um that, that's what we have in new zealand a bunch of Samoan rugby players that's the new zealand flag Sounds good. So when I found out that this was going to happen, I already knew how far away Alpha Centauri is, and I knew how much people had tried to look for planets before that. Mm -hmm. And I already knew that when I tried to explain to my friends like Griff, who didn't quite aren't in the you know the the science thing. No, you could have totally said they aren't in the quite intelligent. Yeah, that's. (laughs) The smarter audience members pick that part up. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah, all day. This, yeah. this is a podcast. It's, right it's really unhealthy. Uh, so, we already had an episode where we talked about the thousands of exoplanets, uh, and so we already talked about how it's very hard to get like a new discovery like this even attention because people are like, you know, more right. planets. But the difference is, especially as a nuclear physicist, uh, I'm excited about this because it is now for the first time plausible that. I might be able to go visit another planet in my lifetime. It's still extremely unlikely. That's why I said it's a nuclear physics thing. Okay. I but, thought it was a magic school bus thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I, I mean, it requires a lot of things to happen. Right. Okay, one of them is we have to develop a relativistic rocket. Small or, thing. Or, relativistic? Yes. Or we have to, as we've discussed when Sean Carroll was on this episode, get much better at prolonging human life. Because right right now our rockets are about 500 times too slow to get all the way to this planet in one human lifetime or in in 20 years. If you just say it's 20 years. Um, But, you know, those are all those are both improbable things, Mm -hmm. but they're neither one is impossible. And, you know, and I I never thought we'd even find a planet this close. I thought that was impossible as a kid. Ah. So this is just I feel like I I woke up in the future where, you know, I 
when you watch science fiction as a kid, you always think like, oh, if you want to find a planet, you have to go to the star, you know, and the then star you find it. Yeah, like on Star Trek. Oh, there we go. Yeah, but we're getting so good at discovering these things that like you were, you were told like, oh, it'd have to be a telescope the size of Earth or something like that. So can you tell us a little bit about how you guys actually found it? Sure. So I was not on the Discovery team. The Discovery team used telescopes in the Southern Hemisphere with what's called the Doppler Wobble or Radio Velocity Technique which you've had experience with if you've ever been outside and had an ambulance or fire truck drive by. The pitch changes. It's higher as you go by, lower as you go past. And, the, and stars do the same thing. So the, the telescope is ESO? Is that the one? It's the European Your Southern Observatory, ESO. Uh, they used, ESO, cool. Yes, a couple of different <laughs> instruments as well. They used harps primarily, and then they also used this ultraviolet spectrograph as well. So you have a energy and wavelength that's kind of given off by this planet, and that's how they detect it close. So what happens is that as the planet's orbiting the star, the star is moving too. So it's like they're holding hands and running in a circle together. So the star is moving towards you and away from you. When the star moves towards you, the light is blue shifted. When the star moves away from you, the light's red shifted. So that's the ambulance again. It's changing the, the frequency of the light or the pitch of the sound. Mm -hmm. And they measure with their telescope the spectrum of the light. So they split up the light into a rainbow and they're able to figure out the wavelengths that they actually see versus what they expect. And they see deviations of about a meter per second, which is tiny. Tiny. That's, <laughs> that that's much away. slower than how you drive your car. Yeah. You typically drive at, say, 12 meters per second. Wow. On wow. a residential oh street, even. Yeah, so uh, a mind-blowing fact that I, I tweeted this out a while ago and a lot of people were surprised is that, uh, you know, we're kind of taught that the Earth goes around the sun, but in fact it doesn't. It goes around the very center right. of the solar system. And the sun also goes around. The, all the planets go around this the very center. The and very center. Yeah, that's yes. what it's that's called. The very sounds center. sounds like a... Like a office of some like hollywood agent or something <laughs> what is the berry center like they help Jeez, i didn't pay attention in science <laughs> yeah. what is the berry center uh so the berry center is the the center of mass of all the things in a solar system so you take all the planets and you sum up their mass and find the the center of it and even though the sun is very big and so it dominates this average center it's it's not quite big enough that it you know that you don't set, that the sun doesn't move around and in fact like with the case of Jupiter it's so big Jupiter and Saturn when they're on opposite they're on the same side of each other they actually can even uh, pull the sun so that the, far enough off that the Barry Center is actually above the surface of the the sun itself so it's not a it's not like a totally small wobble but but with the the thing is this planet's so small it it couldn't have possibly moved it that much i imagine right well a meter per second is small compared to jupiter's signal of 12 and a half meters per second but it's enormous compared to the signal that the earth has the sun do the earth's motion around the sun causes the sun to wobble by 9 centimeters a second that's the top speed of a sloth for oh, the wow. Earth. Well, so so this means that uh, People on, if there are people, we'll get to that later, but if there are people on uh, Proxima B, that's the, the name mm -hmm. of the planet, right? Yep. Um, you, that means that they're going to have a lot harder time seeing us, our effect on it, because right. we're neither in line with them, I imagine, the way mm -hmm. Kepler sees stuff. And we have Jupiter and Saturn. I mean, maybe they'll say, hey, there's Jupiter and Saturn, so let's, you know, right, right. still interesting. They might be way smarter than us. You never know. Uh, they also might have really big telescopes. And they might be paying attention to radio emission. So that's probably the way that if we want people on Proxima Sun, if they exist, to know that we're here, we could just send them broadcasts, just like in the start of Contact. Can mm -hmm. we just send them pictures of Trump? And then they're like, nah. We're uh, then we they're never going to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, nah, we don't want to deal with them. That's the only reason they haven't contacted us. Right? Like, 
I tweeted really? that Trump. Okay, I, I tweeted no, this out yesterday. So no. I calculated the date that they're caught up with mm-hmm. right now. If they're listening to our TV signals, uh, which they probably can't, for you know, four light years is close enough that a big enough telescope there would be able to pick up stuff because we're broadcasting that with megawatts of energy and everything. But right now, they think we're about to reelect um, Obama. Right. They are seeing the Obama election because it would be May 2012. Right. So they're about to start the the London Olympics. Wow. Yes. Not, the, not our got blown. Yes. I didn't and even. So, when I tweeted this out, that was the first thing everybody said. Is like, oh crap, they're going <laughs> to see Trump. Uh, you know what I think they're going to do though? If they start seeing Trump, mm-hmm. I think they're going to build a wall, and ah. they're probably going to make us pay for it. That's probably fair. So if, uh, uh, if we start wall. seeing, yeah, if we start seeing a thing like you know uh, Tabby Star, right. where the so so called alien mega structure, yes. you know, people were wildly guessing about. If we start seeing that around, <laughs> you'd be the first person who knows it because you're studying the stars. So. Uh, you know, if that starts getting dimmer and weird objects start going in front of it, that's probably why they're probably trying to block us out. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, dude, literally, if I was in a telescope looking at another, you know, race of, and I saw a Trump, I'm like, okay, Mm-mm. no, we might <laughs> just like drive by in our planes and poop on them, but that's about it. It's <clears throat> an well, intelligent adult conversation here that we're having. Well, this is an exciting thing about this, in addition to the fact that it's so close, so I'm excited anyway, is that Stephen Hawking and uh, the Russian guy, name is escaping Alexei me right Leonov? Now. No, the rich guy. Oh. The rich, oh, <laughs> yeah. The one he Vladimir founded, Putin. Breakthrough. Yeah, yes. the big Pu- Yeah, you're, you're talking about Putin. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, him and Stephen Hawking and some others, uh, they started a uh, thing called the, the $100 million Breakthrough Starshot project, which is to send um, uh, a tiny little nano probe. Right. You know, nowadays everybody knows that cameras no longer have to be the size of you know whatever. Now we can make cameras extremely tiny. So the idea is like, let's just send one of those. But the problem was, if we sent it to Alpha Centauri before, it was just sort of a shot in the dark. But now we actually have like a pretty good guess of at least one target that we want to look at, right? Right, but we don't know the planet's orbit in great detail. We have the radio velocity curve, but we don't know how oval-shaped it is. It could be really circular, it could be somewhat extended. So we need to figure that out first so we can target the probe well. Or we could just coordinate so we could update the trajectory on the fly. Oh, wow. But I think we're going to figure out the orbit far before we figure out the technology to launch this satellite at the required velocity. Okay, so I haven't looked too much into this. I was... I, I. had the idea to do rich, a nanoprobe myself. Rich dude, Yuri Milner. Yuri yes, Milner, yes. yes, that's it. Yeah, rich, he also has the rich mil- dude. That just the lines is rich dude, Yuri Milner. R- right. He uh, didn't even type that uh, in. Just rich dude. And very generous <laughs> dude too. I think um, Kip Thorne won the Milner Prize again, yeah? or, or this year, I think. He won it with Matthew McConaughey. Of course, <laughs> no, and Matt Damon. Won. <laughs> and Matt Damon somehow won it. Yes. And while Matt Damon gave a speech, he said his own name 15 times and then walked off stage. That was his speech, just saying his name. Uh, well, he's not going to be a sh- guest on this show, so I guess we don't have to worry you about know. that. You never know. You never know. You never know. So, uh, yeah, I had this idea also. I, I claim all ideas ahead of time. So just, like I said, big ego thing. Don't worry about it. But I was really happy to see that, that somebody was actually going to send into it. But a problem I haven't solved that I don't think they've solved is I don't know exactly how you're supposed to get any information back. Is that... 
Uh, what do we do about that? How do you do? You have any ideas? <laughs> it seems like you could just send a laser beam type signal back, and you would need to boost it somehow. But it wouldn't be that hard for us to receive it because there's not that much stuff in the way. There's oh, very okay. little dust between us and Proxima Centauri. Oh, awesome. Okay, so you, all you have to worry about is just divergence, beam yeah, divergence, and I think just. So. Okay. I haven't thought about and, it much. And you know they they do put. Lasers, lasers are also very tiny nowadays. Yes. And I guess once you're there, too, you have plenty of power. You can right. unfurl a, a very, very lightweight solar panel and use that to, mm -hmm. to send it or something. Right. You get 60% of the power that we get in Earth orbit from the sun. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about lifetime, you know, the reason this is such a big deal is if we sent this thing can probably go, uh, the, I think the guess is we can get up to 20% the speed of light. Right. That's still four light years away. That's still uh, 20 years to, yeah. it, to, to get time. there and then four years to get back. So we're talking about 25 that's years. That's a lot of beers. <laughs> Which you, you wouldn't send this thing back, right? It would just no, go no, and but keep the on signal, going. Yeah, so it would go 20, it would take 20 years to get there. But then if you sent a laser signal back, that would be four years. Right. So it would be a 24, 25 year round trip um, for, of this data. Right, but that's but not that's crazy. Really, it's we, not crazy, no, we, I know. So that's why I'm excited is because normally when we talk about interstellar travel, we're talking about you know, a hundred years or a thousand years or 10,000 years. Right. And so it's only been in science fiction because it's always been this idea of like, oh, our grandchildren will find that. And as we can see with like climate change, people don't really care about investing in their children too much. You know, they're like, ah, they'll have a faster ship. Why right. bother? So, um, yeah. Oh, speaking of that, um, how's, how do you think the climate is on this planet? On this planet? I think that. it's pretty interesting. There's a chance that this world could be tidally locked. So right now on the Earth, if you look up and look at the moon, you always see the same side of the moon because the moon is tidally locked to the Earth. Right. Proxima Sen B is so close to the star that maybe one side of the planet always faces the star. It might also be like Mercury and have maybe a day that's two-thirds as long as its rotation period around the star, but we don't know that. If it is tidally locked, you might want to live along the terminator, the region where the sun is setting or rising. And that's like a nonstop resort right there, basically, because yeah, it's, yeah. it's sunset all the time. Exactly. But but in that region, it's likely to be temperate, basically, right? Probably, um, but it's also probably really windy because you have all this heat being deposited on the side of the planet facing the star, and that's streaming around the planet to the cold side. So depending on what kind of atmosphere you have and how dense the atmosphere is, you might want to bring, bring um, a little bit of a parka with you to this resort. Or a hmm. sailboat. And that would be great. To sail at sunset nonstop. All yes. the time. I think I'm going to, I was going to retire on here. I'm now thinking maybe I need to set up like a retirement community and make this some sort of. Well, Trump already winner. has two hotels there. Right. So we know it's habitable. Um, <laughs> what, what is the, you know, I mean, that's a whole different uh, conversation, but what, what are the chances or any ideas of if there's water? We don't know. We don't even know how big the thing is. Right, right now, we just know the minimum mass of 1.3 Earth masses. It might actually be two Earth masses. It depends on the angle that we're looking at the system. We want to measure the size of this planet, and I think there are a couple ways we could do that. Once we know the size, we'll know the density, and we could then try to figure out what the atmosphere is made out of. Hmm. How are you going to find out what the atmosphere is out of? It's, I mean, it doesn't pass in front, so how well, do you we don't do know. That? It might. We oh, have data oh, from the okay. ground, okay. and I've talked to people at Harvard who run the MIRTH survey, which is taking a bunch of little telescopes, pointing them at the same bright small stars, and trying to see if you see planets crossing in front, which would tell you how big the planet is. They have data for Proxima Centauri. They looked before and didn't see any transits, but now they know exactly when to look because they know when this planet would have been in front of the star if it does cross in front. So they're, they're going to double check. 
if they see the transit, we're in luck because then we can see the planet as it passes in front. That tells us the size of the planet. We can look at the fingerprint that's left on the starlight as it passes through the planet's atmosphere, and that would tell us what the atmosphere is made out of. That would be great. That would be awesome. Do we know which way the star is rotating already? Because I know we know how Vega's rotating, mm -hmm. and I saw this at a colloquium where, right. so where we, we can, like, somebody did, like, actual Doppler imaging yes. of the surface, which is also mind-blowing. And I think they were doing this just right here near Pasadena in Mount Wilson. Right. They can There's use a, the Chara array to do that. Yeah. So um, has somebody done that with... Um, Chara can't Center. see this one because it's too far south, but there's the very oh, large right. telescope. Yes. <laughs> Astronomers yeah. are so great with the names. Uh -huh. And it, it has an interferometric mode. So you can do the same thing with the VLT. And they've actually done that. They've measured the angular size of Proxima Centauri. And they've also done studies where they've looked at the distribution of star spots, so like patchy, blotchy areas on the star's surface that are signs of magnetic activity. And they've measured that the star rotates every 83 days. Uh, okay, so I'm I'm getting a battery warning, so I have to stop, and okay. our editor will put it together. And all right, so I got a newspaper to to. Um, and we have see. to discuss the important news, which yeah. is Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, and uh, you guys made uh, this discovery made the front page of USA Today. Very exciting, and a, a lot of other newspapers and stuff. Yes. The, what's so frustrating about uh, like Griff and Jimmy and Owen is they're only excited about it after they see the press. They claim they're not, but that's always what happens they never believe me well i didn't so. know I, I just don't know i don't know what's going on and so but, but you also, just have to let me know the, how exciting it is and i also, i'll get excited i also got to mention this this is a really sad uh day for the people the area where i used to work in um a, near a surgery in laquia in italy they've been hit by another very devastating earthquake um magnitude 6.2 and 100 people dead I haven't been to the specific town that it, they were talking about, but it was really close to where I used to travel regularly, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty bummed about that. Sad story. Um, but we got a new planet, so it's going to all even out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. No. <laughs> the planet was there before. Wow. Yeah. You guys are the best improv team ever. No. no yeah. like, nope. No, no stop. We're going to shut you down right there. No, we're not here making jokes on the comedy podcast. No. Not today. We're not making jokes about National Park Service. Well, the earthquakes there in that region are, you know, obviously they're a curse, but they're also a blessing. The reason the area is so beautiful is these earthquakes have been there for millions of years. And the reason the Grand Sasso is in there is that it's, Grand Sasso means giant stone in Italian, and that's really what Grand Sasso is. It's an enormous rock, a single piece of rock that's basically just been shoved up into the sky, and so that makes it so good for for um, drilling a tunnel through and then having it have really good uh, radiation protection on the top. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, somebody asked me a question about that, uh, about the the radiation hardness on this planet, and my guess was that it's kind of arbitrary because... I think no matter how much radiation you get, um, you know, you, the water is always fairly good isolation from pretty much anything space can dish out. So I didn't think that would really make it much of a difference. But um, do, can, do you know that because this, uh, I read this planet is very, very close to the mm -hmm. sun or its sun. Um, it's, it's like, uh, how far away is it? So it's actually only 0.05 AU away. So it's 5% of the Earth's sun distance from oh, its wow. star. And, and does the, so does that mean the sun looks really its star looks really big on the sky or is it also smaller? The or? star is only twelve percent the size of the sun, so it doesn't look that big in the oh, sky. Oh, so it just Probably looks about twice. Bigger. About yeah, twice. Yeah, the oh, star's okay. cooler too. 
Okay, oh. so like yeah, it'd be red. Yes. So in addition to sunsets, it's like a really run red sunset. Yes, it'll be beautiful. Yeah. So does that mean it has? I don't know enough about these red dwarfs. Do they put out more radiation than a normal star? I mean, is there? Is they're there kind of they're weird in a way. They have less light overall, but their light is redistributed. So if you look at the visible light that your eye can see, the star looks dimmer. Most of the star's light comes out at redder wavelengths. But at blue wavelengths, things like X-rays and ultraviolet activity, these stars can be more active than stars like the sun. And this star in particular can actually contribute more UV and X-ray flux to the planet over its lifetime. So you need like higher SPF while, right. while you're sailing. Yes. Underwater, probably, if there's radiation. Yes. So these solar flares might be uh, a barrier for people being there, but maybe, but probably not for little microbes. I if we can figure fish. out how to get there and figure out how to live longer, we can probably figure out some better sunscreen, too. <laughs> so do you I would need that. Yeah. <laughs> Griff, you just can't too. go. You can't yeah, go. Yeah, I get sunburned <laughs> so easily. I literally, like, he, I, I get sunburn at nighttime. I get moonburn. He heard sailing <laughs> and permanent sunset, and he was just like, no. Can't do that. No, actually, you might be okay. Uh, you can live on the other side that's always in darkness. It's cold. So, uh, yeah, that's not depressing yeah, cold. at all. Yeah. No, fine. that's fine. It'd be yeah. good for astronomy. That's true. <laughs> Unless it's cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> cloudy with a chance of sunburn. <laughs> that's my voice I yeah. of Kevin. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Wait a You do, break. Griff. That's there you right. go. <laughs> He's funny. When I make jokes, he goes, yep. I'm going to get awkward and bring the energy right back down to ground level. <laughs> well, we went from the fifth floor down to the ground. Let's take the elevator right down. Oh, speaking of bringing the energy, I'm going to I'm gonna plug this early. Okay. I'm going to uh, open for Owen Benjamin tomorrow night at Hollywood Improv. There you go. If, if you are a fan of this podcast, hit me up, and I will get you on the guest list if you're in the L.A. area. Owen's just visiting from his magical... Uh, Forest life in uh, New York. I think he did it right. Keeps post. Yeah, it looks amazing. I think um, he did it right. He's just every like everything he posts is like one of those Instagram uh, filters, except it's not. You know where there's like stars yeah. and fairy dust everywhere, except it's not real. I mean, it is real. It's just like yeah, this is my life. I I'm don't like, know. I think you're doing it right. Getting drunk and taking Ubers from Altadena to the, uh, West Hollywood all the time. That's the best way to do it. That's a good life, too. That's the way to do it. You know? Or you could just live in WeHo. <laughs> That's where I live. It's great. The parking's fantastic. <laughs> right. It's great. And you have such great neighbors. I met your neighbor the other day. Who? Uh, just that random guy who walked up. Don't oh, he's not the neighbor. It, don't worry. I yeah, I, I didn't mean neighbor. I meant guy who lived in street in front of your apartment. Oh, yeah. There, there was some clearly like a crackhead that asked us for a lighter. So that was fun. I love this city. It's so great. <laughs> so how old is this planet, do you think? We're not totally sure. The age estimates for the star aren't totally certain. We know the star is middle-aged. It's probably between maybe three and six billion years. So this planet is kind of like the Earth in terms of age. But the star, be being one of these red dwarfs, has a really, really long adolescence. So the star was probably violent for a much larger chunk of that planet's lifetime than the sun was for our Earth. Oh, okay. So, so it could be... It could be roughly a four billion year old planet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Which not is, a baby that's, planet. That's really exciting because that means well, that's we impossible get, because get, God created everything six thousand years ago. Well, that's he impossible. created this six thousand years ago to look like it was four billion years exactly. ago. So you know, okay. Just make sure you got your math numbers right. As we do that, like uh, recently, there's a senator who said that uh, God was punishing us for 
I don't know, homosexuality or something like that with weather. And I'm just, I'm always mystified why people don't think uh, God's just punishing us for not believing scientists about climate. That would make way more sense. Wouldn't that make, like, he, yes. they'd, get, they'd all show up and he's like, why did you keep giving us the storms? It's like, well, I gave you the gift of reason yeah. to, you know, figure right. this God. out because it was obvious God, and you yeah. ignored them. Proof so. that God hates gays is that there's a polar bear in Arizona right now. <laughs> That's a conversation someone's probably had. I know, there's this whole thing about the lesbian farmers and Rush Limbaugh. Oh, Rush Limbaugh eats pills for breakfast. He's, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster of a human being. I just want to, like, literally just watch him sweat. Like, he's just an uncomfortable person. Okay. I'll take a pass on that. I'll go sailing. I'm probably going to A lot of better things you can do with Moving your time. back onto the planet. Uh <laughs> So I have a, I have kind of like a, a personal question. Would you go there to retire if it were an option? Would you do that? Well, well, I wanted to be an astronaut and go to Mars for years. Mm -hmm. I still think that's a more viable plan than going to Proxima SNB because I don't want to spend my whole that's life fine. waiting can, to get there. We can but, both submit our proposals if you think Mars is more plausible just because it's way closer. Well, Matt Damon went there, so it's clearly pretty cool. Yeah, there are potatoes there. <laughs> yeah, there's potatoes. That... If I could be transported there, sure. Okay. Along right. with a, a team of people and maybe a bunch of building supplies and some mm -hmm. coffee. Well, coffee. There a, you go. A cool thing about relativistic rockets is that uh, from Einstein's theory of relativity is that the process of accelerating itself also slows down time. And so what ends up happening in a weird way is that you can actually get to a star that's on Earth four light years away, but you can get there in less than four years. It takes more, it takes four years for everybody back on Earth. So you could actually go there if you had a really fast spaceship, a right. speed of light spaceship, or near the speed of light. Uh, you know, you could you could be like there in a year, or a month, or something. It might not be that bad. Oh yeah, that would be fine. Um, I mean, that's even way more implausible than the twenty percent <laughs> speed of light one. But uh, you know, <laughs> since we're throwing that out there, all right? Why not? So I was the reason I brought that up though is like maybe that's the way like our you know we'll start retire humans will start retiring right because what's the saddest thing about dying really like you you don't you never get to see your grandkids your great grandkids your great great grandkids but at the same time you know they don't want to see you all the time either oh, so what I'm saying wow. what I'm okay. suggesting instead of retirement homes let's just get some really fast spaceships we put. You know, as you get into your gray years, you know, everyone wants, who doesn't want to travel, right? You get into your relativistic spaceship and you go really, really fast and you just, you know, kind of dot around and then you just come back every generation. There's like, you know, like, hey, great grandma's visiting, you know, it's like they're the same age, right? So they extend right. their life, but they're going slower and slower into the future. And they just come back to just sort of see how things are happening and maybe impart some yeah. wisdom on the And rewrite future. their wills. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and as they're at it, they'll just like, oh yeah, we brought back pictures. Although right. we, probably the future generation of kids is like, ah, oh, grandma, we don't want to see your pictures of all these beautiful new <sighs> worlds. We get it, grandma. You were good at Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so what's next for you? Yeah, what's the we, we, we we're gonna just dive into and study this planet more well i'm going to a three-day meeting all about this planet in boston next week three intense like how this is your meeting like all day for three days or what 
No, all day for two and a half days with breaks for dinner and lunch. And That's what a comedian thinks is hard work. I just <laughs> like, literally, literally, like, you're going to be doing the same thing for two yeah, days? No, That's my ADD talking. Like, like, whoa, should, how much Adderall do you have to take for that? <laughs> shouldn't you just get up for 15 minutes and then come back home? Shouldn't you just start studying the planet and then go get on your phone and start Snapchatting? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Aren't you supposed to go from thinking about bagels to squirrels? That's how brain works, right? Bagels to squirrels. Oh, squibbles. Squibbles. We had a podcast where we were somehow brought up the fact that Germans cannot say the word squirrel. Really? It yeah, gets if you them don't every time. Me, and they, YouTube it. It's they hilarious. YouTube it it's and hilarious. they can't. Squibbles. Squibbles. And they know squirrel. Squibbles. And they get angry at it. Yeah, they think it's like the most down. unnatural word ever created. Like, you need a beer awesome. right now. To, you need a f- couple beers just to say squirrel. <laughs> Like literally, and then it gets worse. Squibble. I'm like, no, that sounds like something someone would spray paint the side of a building illegally. Uh, I made a squibble mural on the wall. That's it. Not, I don't know what accent that was. If a German or if a squirrel were just evil, that's what it would sound like. Kevin's gonna spit his coffee. We need to get over the stereotype that just because something's evil, it speaks German. There are other evil accents oh there's way more evil yeah definitely (laughs) oh no the antarctican accent is way more evil (laughs) it's just uh you know we just kind of like got this default they were when i was in germany recently they kept pointing that out to Ah. me i mean they're aware of this they're like yes we are all bad guys have german accent it's fine or russian or russian or yeah but that's still not politically correct anymore like because now it like that was kind of a cold war thing now it's a little bit more you know you know, you, Putin gets upset. It so. should just be yeah, like Kim Jong Un. That should be North Korean <laughs> accent. Should be evil. That, so, that's, and then Jimmy would get cast more. Yeah, because he can do the accent. Yeah, you know, Jimmy's uh, main acting talent. I can say this because he's not here and he won't listen. Well, he's he's good at acting, but one of his main talents is he can do his own native accent very well. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, though. Yeah. yeah. He's really yeah. Chinese. <laughs> Have you seen uh, Silicon Valley? His show. I haven't. My brother loves it. Oh yeah, it's a great show. Mike it's Judge is, is just an American. Upsettingly hero. real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I was I was up in San Francisco doing shows. And there was a guy that worked for Google. He was pretty high up. I was like, oh, do you watch Silicon Valley? He's like, no. And I immediately saw a look in eyes. He goes, no, 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 I don't. And no, I'm like, yeah. he goes, yeah, it's too close to home. Yep. Too yep. real. And I'm like, whoa. It's exactly why I imagine you don't like Big Bang Theory too. I actually do ah, like it. Most okay. of my friends don't like it. And I'm now two and a half years behind. Oh, okay. But I liked the show. All right. It all right. Me that I they can't stand have... it. It's just like, it's like going to work, but eh, Gross. But yeah. there's commercials. Yeah. They could have used more female characters, but that's okay. Um, what was I going to say? I don't remember. I was thinking of squirrels again. <laughs> well, if I can go back to your question about what we're going to do next. Yes. After this meeting, we're going to launch a couple telescopes. We're going to launch the Transiting yes. Exoplanet Survey Satellite in uh-huh. 2017. That's going to find planets all over the sky around the nearest, brightest stars. So we're going to find more planets like this. They'll be farther away because we can't get any closer, but they'll be good planets. And maybe those planets will be ones we'll learn more about because if they're going to cross in front of their stars, we can measure the masses, we'll get the densities, we'll get the atmospheric compositions. Maybe some of them would have life. So that that's a great way forward. For this particular planet, 
We could also try to study it more from the ground with big telescopes. We can take an image of the system. We need a pretty big telescope to do that, so we can go ahead and try now with 10-meter telescopes, but we really want a 30-meter telescope, like the ones we're building, the Giant Magellan Telescope, the European Extremely Large Telescope will do that. If the 30-meter telescope is built in the south, it could do that too. Which might so. have to There's happen. one in Chile it that's really big? Yeah. Uh... The Giant Magellan Telescope will be 25-ish meters. And that's going to be ready to go in 2021, 2022. So that'll be a perfect telescope to study this with. And I'm also on the team for a new spacecraft concept called Louvoir, which would launch around 2035. And with that telescope, we'll actually have a 12-meter aperture, maybe 16 meters in space. We could take an image of this planet, take a spectrum of it, and really try to look for signs of molecules in the planet's atmosphere. That's awesome. 2035 is is right around when uh, Griff's career will start picking up. So that will be really good timing. You might be able to go visit. That's cute. And hopefully you'll learn how to wear normal socks with flip-flops by then. That's all you have? Well, it'll be in by then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we're going to have telescopes that add the technology to zoom in and see molecules on another planet. Oh, I wish. Not quite. Well, I'm I'm talking about like, talking about like, like to be able to see like maybe even bacteria kind of no, stuff. That's no, that's just that. crazy. You thought. don't see it like a microscope picture. Uh, I'm, I'm just asking if that's possible to have that kind of technology. No. No. Okay. Definitely not. That okay. Um, there's quantum mechanics gets in the way of that. There's diffraction limits and things like that, and just the size of a telescope that would be able to see a microbe at across the hallway would be really big. Yeah, not possible. No, this is, uh, well, you can stop me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you do all this stuff with uh, something called spectroscopy, where you look at, this is how we've done everything. We even studied our own sun this way. And Newton, I think, was the first person to to start this. And I don't know if he picked up on lines, but he certainly was the first person to build a spectrometer from light, which is you just take a simple prism. Kids do this a lot. You take a prism, you put it in white light. And you get a spread of colors. You get a whole rainbow. Um, spectroscopy is is usually less concerned about that rainbow, but there's these little lines in it, and the lines are elements and gases and molecules that have taken some of that white light and they've absorbed it and re-emitted it at, at a different color. So you end up getting this very nice little marker on the side that's like, oh, this is X Y Z uh, chemical, and you know. We've been getting better and better and better. We've just been getting really good spectrometers that keep getting better every time. And, uh, you know, Newton was did his little simple one, but now they're like, you know, they're way more amazing than that. So you don't see that. The, so if you're looking for life, you look for its chemicals that have the markers of it. So, Basically, you're looking for things burping on another planet. <laughs> so burping, so like methane and CO2 mm-hmm. kind of things. Right. Um, and, and what about oxygen? I mean, you oxygen is like... So overrated. But, well, but actually, that's, that's a good point. So on a planet orbiting an M-dwarf, if you have UV activity from the star, which we do, that can actually, what we call, photolyze molecules in the planet's atmosphere. It can break them apart and cause more complex molecules to turn into oxygen and things oh, that look yeah. like life. Um, so if you find oxygen in the atmosphere of this planet, that's not enough. You need to find another gas with the oxygen so you can say that there's a reason that the oxygen is there that could be related to biology. Right, yeah, my, uh, a friend of mine who works on Cassini was posting about how there was oxygen on Europa and I got totally excited because I was like, oh my God, that must be there's life there. And she's like, nope, sorry, sorry, just, it has, we know it has water and right. uh, and just, um, not Europa, sorry, Enceladus. Wrong planet. Because uh, Cassini's, Cassini's around Saturn. Saturn. Yeah. 
But there, so there's oxygen around Enceladus and probably around Europa too for right. the same thing. And then she's like, no, what happens is geysers go up and they get ionized by the radiation mm-hmm. field of, of uh, Saturn. It doesn't mean that life's not there. It just means there's no way to tell because it, it like swamps out the signal, exactly. basically. And my friend Sarah Rukheimer has done a lot of work on this, modeling what the spectrum would look like for planets orbiting M dwarfs and figuring out what things really are biosignatures and what things are not. I was just at the uh, JPL uh, poster session for postdocs yesterday, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people working on instrumentation for future probes and missions. And one of them that was really exciting was uh, an amino acid spectrometer of some sort. I think that's going to be awesome. for the Europa mission that's going to go up. Um, and I don't know how easy that'd be to do from a star, but one of the neat things that you can look for that life has that not life doesn't have is these like... Uh, not co- life doesn't have. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a <fun laughs> that's a fun sentence. You, you can look at... So we've talked about this on the show before. You can look at something called chirality, which is like the handedness. And it's called it's called handedness because it's your hand is like the most obvious example. Um... <laughs> Word of, the day. Word of the day brought to you by dictionary.com handedness. <laughs> anyway, life is all has all left-handed amino acids, or almost all left-handed amino acids. So, uh, you know, seeing that on another planet would be pretty spectacular because I would be like, whoa, right. you know, I mean, that's mostly what you're made of is amino acids. That's other than water. That's pretty much what you're a big blob of is fats and amino acids and water. I I was no you know it's funny off topic um I'm still thinking about something we talked about last week on the show which blew my mind quantum entanglement Uh are you familiar with this vaguely yeah we should wait for Hakeem to get back I know but that's that's yeah that was funny like we were so off topic that we were just like darting around it much just sound like we went from talking about pole vaulting in the olympics to Tajikistan hammer throwing to quantum uh, entanglement. <laughs> Welcome to the ADD Science Podcast. <laughs> um, Thanks for bringing that up. So, <laughs> if 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 I if I'm to go back home to my girlfriend and not look stupid, and she's like, "So, what did you learn today?" I guess the two things is it, is your girlfriend uh, right hand or your left hand? Right. Well, I, 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 okay. So, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> goodness, yeah, <laughs> goodness. Um, so, if I'm to go home to her, I, two questions is how did they measure and find this, and what I guess more importantly, you know, to someone like me or a lot of people are going, okay, it's cool, we've discovered a planet. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? Why do we care? Okay, so for the first one, they found it with the Doppler wobble, the that Doppler ambul- wobble. ambulance style effect. Second question, why do we care? What's well, a place to go if Trump gets elected? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the closest star to us. It has a planet. As we're going out and looking at all these stars, back uh, during my during grad school, I, my thesis work was predicting how many red dwarfs should have planets around them. And based on the Kepler mission results, I made a prediction that one out of every four red dwarfs should have a potentially habitable planet. So far, that seems to be holding up, which is good news for me, and also good news for planet finders in general, because it means this is not the only example of a potentially habitable planet orbiting a low-mass star. So if we look at this one and it doesn't have life, we could look at some others and maybe they would have life. But in order to really know whether this planet is habitable, I want to know how big it is. So that's going to be my goal for the coming years. That's awesome. So this actually wasn't just like, of course, there's a planet there. This We got a pretty lucky draw right there. One in well, four is pretty good odds. Yeah, but that the closest one is one in four. That's, that's true. Well, I'm, I'm glad. These Look, stars I, are small. I, I don't want to go on a cruise that's like 
10 years long. I don't have that kind of patience. It's right. got to be six years tops. Um, I get cabin fever, restless. Okay. Cabin Bieber fever? <laughs> you, do you get cabin Bieber fever? Have to do that. I mean, you're wearing the socks, so I had to. God, I wish the listeners could hear your socks. Uh, (laughs) Those pictures. They're better off not talking. (laughs) Oh, All right, we're going to wrap this up. Just to remind you again, I'm going to be... You look like you own a rundown Chuck E. Cheese right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a look that you've created right now. I'm going to be with Owen Benjamin and friends at the Hollywood Improv tomorrow night. You're not going to do your act, are you? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to show off new socks. I'm also going to be doing my Dude, birthday show. if you show, show up on I've stage doing... wearing that, you'll get an applause break. You'll literally, Owen won't be able to follow those socks. I guarantee you Owen could not follow those socks. No one could. I'm also going to have a birthday show on September 10th at the Comedy Store. Go to that one, too. Um, main room? Main room. Nice. Yep. Yeah, there's going to be probably some stars on it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of stars on it. Literally. Yeah. Even literally. Proxima Centauri. Yeah, yeah. I was like, someone's <laughs> going to slip in. Uh, 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 hey. All right. Uh, can, where can people find you? Do you want Twitter followers or sure. anything Sure. Like so my Twitter handle is Astro Dressing. Despite the confusion, it's not actually a fashion Twitter account, but feel free to follow me anyway. <laughs> Astro <fashion>. Dressing. <laughs> and my I webpage just... is uh, gps.caltech.edu slash tilde dressing. I just oh, think right. of, when I hear Astro Dressing, I think of a giant alien, just really high, pouring like ranch over the solar system and eating it. I, I don't know why. To me, it sounded like something that would have developed in the, like, the Cold War space program, you know, but then it turned out it wasn't actually ever sent to space. Oh, like astronaut dressing? Yeah. That astro- oh, that sounds very gross. Maybe oh. the cosmonauts had it. This is Astro Dressing. Oh, no. oh, so wow. my favorite yes. cosmonaut astronaut joke is this story, which maybe you've heard before, that NASA spent a lot of money trying to develop a pen that would work in zero gravity. Ah, yeah, the Russians used a pencil. Yep. Uh, no, we use pen, uh, pencil because lead does not uh, fight gravity. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm still thinking uh, of squirrels, by the way. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this has been Shirley, you're joking. Thank you very much. Woo! Woo! Thanks, guys. The woos. Take those woos off. Yeah. That was fun. Thank yes. you. Yes, that was fun. Good stuff right there. That was fun. And when it's just me and Griff, we're usually not funny. So I think what? we did a little well, better. Yeah. Well, Because I mean, we just hate each other so no, much. No, no. You kill uh, your friends. Maybe. <laughs> did we not cover anything? Anything we need to wrap up? Probably not. It was uh, a little bit of short, but. Oh, I, I should have promoted my show at the improv whatever oh i deliberately no i deliberately didn't let you yeah that's I, what I, I didn't like. i wanted to only my shows promote okay that's, that's cool yeah. that's how cruel i was yeah, yeah that's <laughs> cool that's such a good guy got the socks <laughs> and actually this is the astronomer look for the record that hawaiian shirt so yeah. many astronomers just wear oh that. i know well i worked for the cso as an undergrad and okay. i became a perma hawaiian at that oh, point. So yeah. I am legi- I own You're allowed to wear Hawaiian shirts. I, like you're, I think you're actually wrong. I think I bought this in Hawaii. I usually buy my well, Hawaiian shirts. Well, I also yeah. think if there are aliens on this planet, they're looking down right now at what you're wearing going, we're not we're not doing that. So I'm saving the earth again. Is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to meet them. I think they're probably cool. 
Yeah. Well, they'd be. They would have bothered us a long time ago. Right. They're not gonna be like, no, no, no. Wait till we they have nukes, then we'll go attack. You know. No, they're aliens or comedians. I know this because they're sitting around going, hold on, no, not yet. It's all about timing. It's all (laughs) about timing. Oh crap! Since we're still recording, we might edit this in. But I wanted to ask about this. If you know anything about the SETI results from there, because SETI must have been listening to these to Alpha Centauri forever. Right. right. So I haven't heard anything about the SETI results for Alpha Centauri. As far as I know, there's no signal there, but I know it's also a hard thing to analyze because you're trying to look at signals at a whole bunch of time scales. And if you were to get a signal, you'd have to figure out what it actually meant to make sure that you detected it. But so far, we found a lot of cool astrophysics from trying to find signs of life on other planets. Oh, okay. Hey, but if you know the orbit, I wonder if you can do a little Doppler analysis of a signal and maybe get like a cleaner... Signal is just from the planet. I don't, you know. You could do that. That's a good point. Oh, oh that could be interesting. Because that instead of just a broad search, you're like, no, right. just looking for this one thing that oscillates. And because because yeah. we would probably do that too. In fact, I wonder if that's how they could. Yeah. Well, I don't know. A bunch of people asked me that on Twitter. They're like, well, oh, like oh, said he needs to aim the telescope there. <laughs> and I was, you know, my first response was like, well. You know, that was right. their main target from the beginning because it's the only one where it's even plausible that, you know, there's only a few stars where they could send a signal out that isn't like, you know, like petawatts of broadcasting right. power and stuff. So Exactly. And they're actually, there's a whole Breakthrough Listen meeting this October to talk about what they're going to do going forward. And I'm sure Proxima Sun will be on the agenda. Yeah. But, uh, but also, it was interesting when you said they probably can't see that we're here. So they also wouldn't necessarily... Yeah, they, they see the sun in the sky, which is pretty cool, but we're not that special. Yeah, the nah, star, our star is pretty are, bright from them, right? But not compared to the A and B Alpha Centauri. Right, A&B. right. We're we're reasonable. Do those look like suns, or do they look like just very, very bright stars? There was an artist rendition where they looked like very, very bright stars, and I think that's probably pretty accurate. Okay. They're 12,000 AU away. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty far. So, yes. yeah, they look like a Jupiter mm-hmm. at night or something. Like yeah. That. Okay. Oh, cool. It'd be fun to see. And then I want we're to also probably there. a pretty bright star. Too, yes. We're actually near, Mark. I think it's near Cassiopeia. Oh, cool. If you're from Alpha Sun and looking back. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. Thank wow. you. Surely he's joking. We finally got our first sponsor, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and what's better than it being one of our guests? Someone we know and like. Dr. Anthony Roy. He brought these bras in last time he was here. It's these gecko technology. Yeah, the secret is this patented lining called Gectech. It's this uh, laboratory-tested silicone that makes intimate contact with even sensitive skin. And uh, we got to play with them, throw them on the window. Remember, it was like a crazy toy we played. It was like Ninja Star. Yep. Dude, and Kate Quigley <laughs> tried on the bra. Uh-huh. And she loved it. And she loved it. I'll say it's the most high-tech bra out I there. I want one. Where Where do I buy it? You can get it at kellycaleapparel.com. That's K-E-L-L-I-E-K-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. And uh, with our podcast, we're going to have a promo code for you guys. That's right. It's S-Y-J. Use that for 25% off at checkout. That's 25% that not only gets you a discount on the bra, it also helps support this podcast, which we badly need. So yeah. you got it, especially our fans out there, go for it. So once again, that's Kelly K, K E L L I E K, apparel.com. Kelly K, apparel.com. Punch in a promo code SYJ for 25% off. That's right. Kelly K, apparel, apparel engineered for women. And Griff. 